uh, smoking is not good for you. And, and she says, dying isn't good for anybody either, but that's not stopping anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Aaron Dicer and Jeremy Scott. It's a good idea, Dale. Oh, howdy ho, officer. We've had a doozy of a day. There we were minding our own business. Just doing some chores around the house when kids started killing themselves all over my property. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Recotopia, episode 87. I'm Jeremy Scott. And I'm Dicer. And we have dropped the first names. I need to remember that next time. This week's big <laughs> recommend is... Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I'm excited to get into it. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Before we dive in, I want to give a special shout out to the live listeners and viewers and those in the chat. Uh, we appreciate your participation and uh, we hope that you enjoy it. Uh, and Aaron, do you have any small recommends this week? It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's wee. Yes, sir. Uh, I have two of them, in fact. Uh, mm. I would start with just one. Ah. Um, the, let's go with the, uh, the movie first. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Midnight Run, uh, mm. which I saw for the first time. Uh, this is 1988, I believe. This is De Niro and Charles Grodin. <laughs> um, I had never seen this before. I loved this movie. Mm. I think this movie is so much fun. Now, I think a lot of that has to do with Grodin. I think Grodin is, there's something about his delivery and demeanor that mm. just works for me. There's a dryness to it, but it's like this smirky dryness that that just like just with a hint of it's a little bit um it's a little bit uh, Ryan Reynolds with with mm. maybe not so much like beaming light you know like it's it's a little <laughs> bit of a of a of a downplayed Ryan Reynolds kind of sense of humor and he's just so good in this uh, the movie is also I think really meaningful it has a lot to say about you know, uh, how friendships develop, what it means to respect somebody, what, you know, uh, where, where is the importance of integrity and how does that relate to every situation? Um, can ethical situations be situational? Like all of that stuff is kind of underneath here as Robert De Niro as a bounty hunter is taking this charge of his to collect on a bounty with both the mafia and the FBI wanting this person as well. So he's up against two big behemoth organizations, both wanting this person and boy, do the hijinks ensue. Um, I think De Niro's great in it. Uh, feels very realistic to me. Um, I just had a really good time with this. Uh, Jeremy, is, is this on your radar at all? Yes. Have you seen this? I've like, seen this twice. Uh, I loved it. I don't remember it very well. It's been easily 15 years since I've yeah. seen it. Um, but Grodin is one of those guys that just, I think he should have had the kind of, uh, I don't know, stardom that a De Niro had. He's got, mm -hmm. the, he's got this talent delivery, and he could do drama as well, but he's such a singular dry rye somebody in the comments mentioned albert brooks as well very mm -hmm. similar kind of very uh, similar yes yeah that's a better example i think yeah. um 
And yeah, I, I need to dive into it again. I haven't seen it in forever, but uh, I do remember loving it. Yeah, good stuff. That's my uh, that's my first one. Uh, I uh, also have a movie for my first small recommend. Uh, I recently saw a film on one of the movie channels. Ah, this is great. Great radio, <laughs> Jeremy. Um, stars. Uh, a movie from 2022, a horror comedy called The Blackening. Um, this movie's freaking hilarious. Uh, yeah, I found it freaking hilarious. I, I knew nothing about it except that it had been generally well-received by horror fans. But I hadn't seen a trailer. And so, like, I was telling my friend Patrick, like, oh, my God, there's this scene where the evil thing wants them to send out the blackest person among them. So they start trying to exclaim why each of them is not the blackest. Right, right. Um, and there's a few lines in there that I threw at him, and he was like, oh, yeah, that was in the trailer. I need to watch this. And I was like, oh, they ruined some of the best stuff in the trailer. Like, they always do. Uh, made me think of you because you don't watch the trailers. I do not. Um, this movie is hysterical. Uh, I'm a Midwestern white guy. I have to imagine that this is even funnier and more on the nose for black people. There are, of course, a lot of jokes in horror movies about you know the token black character getting killed first uh, over the years. And so this is all black people. Um, it's really, really funny. There's a Rosa Parks joke in here that made me almost spit out my drink. Um, <laughs> and just to say a Rosa Parks joke, it's not a joke at her expense at all, by the way. It's just a reference to her, and it's just so freaking funny. And it's it's an hour and a half, you're in, you're out. Uh, it does have a lot of the typical horror things. There's some blood, there's some um, slashing and whatnot. But I was dying laughing almost the whole time through. Uh, can't recommend it enough. It's great. It's really, really funny. Uh, I knew I wanted to watch this from the moment I saw the poster, and the tagline was, we can't all die first. Um, and I, you know, I knew we were going to go some places. You're right. There is an element to watching it as a white dude, uh, that is like, should I be laughing at this? Right. <laughs> like I couldn't tell this joke. Right. I couldn't tell any of the jokes of this movie, nor should I laugh at any of the jokes of this movie. If a white friend would tell them to, you know what I mean? So you're yeah. like conditioned to, cause there's a lot of racial humor in here. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there is that kind of cognitive dissonance as you watch it, but it's just funny. They are just, they are really funny. They really get the humor. And like you said, I'm sure, uh, you know, if you remember the black community, that this is, uh, you know, something that's going to touch on a lot of things that you don't necessarily hear in mainstream uh, comedies with the racial humor and, and no. those kind of things. I mean, so. and like, I, again, oh, I don't think a white person could have made or should have made this movie. Right. Uh, it is a very unique voice. Uh, but there's an extended run of jokes about, the TV show Friends, which is one of my favorite shows ever, that had me rolling. Uh, it's just, it's just hilarious. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm glad that you've seen it and that you enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Enjoyed it quite a bit. It sounds like your second small recommend may not be a movie. It is not as a television show. It is called The Traders. Uh, oh. This is on Peacock, uh, NBC's streaming service. This is a reality television show. Now, your enjoyment of this may. Uh, depend on a couple of things. Uh, number one, how much into re reality television you already are, what kind of reality television you're into. And it also might depend on if you like reality competition shows at all. Like, do you like Survivor? Do you like Big Brother? Do you like the reality competition shows that put people in a situation and then have them strategize their way to be the last person standing? Now, the concept for this one 
by the way, season one came out in January of this year. I just now heard of it. Somehow completely missed me, which surprises me because I'm so into Survivor and Big Brother specifically. Um, but this has cast members from several different reality shows. And in season one also had half the cast were just people who were cast like, let's just say normies, non-reality television players uh, up okay. until this point. Season two is actually going to be all reality, uh, previous reality players. Um, but it has like legends from Big Brother and Survivor. Like Cody is a, a Big Brother legend. Sari is a Survivor legend. Like Sari is the number one draft pick if you're doing a draft for the best Survivor players ever to play the game that haven't won a season. She's played <laughs> four times and she's almost won in all of her seasons uh, and just due to one thing or another hasn't. She's just such a, a great strategic force. So it's got people like that. Then it's got people that's got one of the bachelor contestants is one of the, you know, the people it's got somebody from one of the housewives shows. Um, it's got, uh, well, I didn't mention Rachel Riley, also a big brother legend. Like, so it's got these reality legends who are kind of competing against each other. And then these, uh, these normal people, the concept is basically like the game mafia. Did you ever play mafia? Like in youth group or back in the day where like yeah. everybody would close their eyes and then somebody would be picked to be part of the mafia. And then every yeah. night the mafia would look at each other and pick some person in the circle to kill. And then when they wake up, the narrator would say who died or whatever. And then everybody who was awake would debate, including people who were the mafia, because they're pretending not to be the mafia, debate like who to banish. And the goal is to banish the mafia before they get, you know, everybody. That's this game. That is this game. The traitors are the mafia. Okay. Um, I think there's a more, uh, uh, is it werewolves? There's a werewolf game that's like this that's a little more modern. Um, but anyways, it's a really fun concept. In the places this, show's, this show went in season one kind of blew me away. There's like real not only strategy, but also real emotion uh, with the idea that somebody that you've been building a relationship with would betray you like this. Um, mm. So I found it fascinating, really interested. I, I loved it. Can't wait for season two. They just announced the cast for season two. Again, just legends in there. Uh, Sandra, who's won Survivor twice, is going to be in there. Um, there's guys I love from the challenge that are, you know, challenge legends like Johnny Bananas and CT. And it's just, it's, I don't know. I, th I find it. I find this idea that reality television player is now like a profession and they're just like hopping from <laughs> like show to show. It really is. But uh, it really but, is. Yeah. Well, and there are so many. They do their own show mm -hmm. then they can go do a show like this. Then they can do like uh, celebrity rehab or like. Uh, <laughs> well, let's, let's, hope, let's not hope that for them, but yes, they could. <laughs> well, I got to get addicted to Coke, and then I can get on Celebrity Rehab. Um, surely the show is not them sitting around a table, closing their eyes and lowering their heads, and then lifting them and looking at each other for like an hour. So, okay, so the in-between is raising money for the prize pot. So every day there are challenges that they do that will increase whoever the, you know, whatever amount the winners get. So if at the end uh, there are no traitors left, all the, the other people are called the faithfuls, then the, whatever faithfuls are left will split the prize pot together. If there's a traitor among them, whatever traitors are left will split the, the prize uh, pot among them. And I am not going to spoil how season one ends because it is amazing. So, um, so yeah. Hmm. So that's, that's basically the day-to-day. -day. They do sit around a table and banish. But then at night, the traders meet like like robed meet and go to this place and and you know vote who to to murder and they find out in the morning 
by the person doesn't show up at breakfast that they got murdered. Um, so that's kind of how that works. Oh, I forgot to mention one of the best parts. Um, one of the best parts is, uh, the host, uh, who, um, uh, oh man, Cummings is Alan Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming is the host of this show and he is hilarious. It Mm. takes place in like a Scottish castle and he's like, you know, the Lord of the castle and just delivers everything in like this aristocratic superior kind of way. It's so funny. So the show's funny too, which I also enjoyed. So, Hmm. Yeah. Anyhow, it's, it's a lot of fun. All right. Uh, well, my second small recommend this week is another movie. Um, I had a movie watching week. Uh, after much hype and a few recommends from friends, I watched the new movie on Netflix, Fair Play, which stars Phoebe Denevoir and Alden Arenrich. Aaron Reich. Aaron Reich. Is it Aaron Reich? Yeah, Alden Aaron Reich. Yeah. I always think Alden K- Killian. Aldrich Killian from Iron Man. You can call him Han Solo if you want. Um, uh, He is, uh, they are both uh, working at this uh, high pressure hedge fund. There is a position open to be bumped up to the PM level, which I don't know if they ever explain what that is. If they did, it went in one ear and out the other. I just Project manager, right? I don't know. PM, yeah, I guess it's project manager. Um, And uh, there is a strong rumor that he is going to get the job. Um, they're also in a secret relationship and have just gotten engaged. They can't let anyone at work know they're in a relationship because that is just how the power dynamics work in a place like this. They would both be seen as weak uh, if that were the case. And, and the plan is after he gets promoted, he works to make sure she gets promoted. And then they can tell everybody that they're in a relationship because that level, the PM level, mm-hmm. you're relatively untouchable, but you're not. Because we see several PMs get fired and throw tirades and cry. <laughs> um, I'm really specific to the plot. I really cannot say anything else about this movie. The whole point of the movie is the twists and playing with your expectations um, and flipping certain things on their ear. Um, and I, I need to give a huge caveat here. Technically, what I'm recommending is the first two-thirds of the movie. Thank you. Me too. (laughs) Um, And I was riveted. And I watched all the way to conclusion, and I think many of you will enjoy the last third. I did not. I felt after at the two-third mark, I literally watched the first two-thirds one day and told Aaron, hey, it's going pretty good so far. And then he was like, ah, this is about where I stopped liking it. Turned it on the next day. And every decision made by everyone is just ghastly. I just, I cannot support what happens in the final third of this movie, even though I can support the intention, I believe. I've read an interview with the filmmaker. Mm, Maybe I need to read that interview. I believe her intentions are supportable. How she goes about getting to where she wanted one or more of her characters to be, I I can't support. And I even think, God, it's so hard to talk about this movie without ruining it. (laughs) It really is. It really is. I even think there is an emotional beat at the end that the movie thinks is real that played fake as hell to me. And even the interview with the filmmaker suggests that that was supposed to be real, and I couldn't buy it. Um, I have I have almost never had a movie 
jump me off a cliff like this mm. where I was so on board and then I was so off board. Well, <laughs> let, let me let me speak. Well, it sounds like we had the same experience. So let me speak to it a little bit because um, I think for me, the reason this happens and the reason this movie is now in the, the clubhouse leader for the question that often comes up, like, you know, what movie did you love for most of it? And the ending ruined it um, is because all the things I thought the movie was doing and saying in the first two thirds of the movie that I really loved and really thought were powerful and going to a really interesting place are so subverted and put on their head in that last third of the movie yeah. that it ruins the first two thirds. Like it ruins my ability to clearly see what they were doing in the first two thirds of the movie because mm. it just, it makes a decision, like you said, without getting specific about its characters or character to do things that I I think I think ruin the movie's ability to say the thing it wants to say. Um, mm. And yeah, I, I, I was, I, I don't know that I was angry by the end, but I was just like, Oh man, I really liked where this movie was going. I liked that. I liked the way it dealt with sexual politics specifically. And I don't just mm -hmm. mean gender politics. I mean, sexual politics, mm -hmm. the willingness to see sexuality as a true part of the human experience. Lots of times movies just, stay all the way away from sexuality mm. and um and this movie doesn't do that this is a very steamy movie sex is a part of this movie it is a part of their relationship and the way it plays into again what i thought the dynamic was and what i thought the movie was doing i thought was really good and then the, the last third of the movie just absolutely destroyed it for me um so yeah i had the exact same experience uh you did i hope i didn't lead you into that by by saying that i mean but, um, i i it's always possible. We've talked very yeah. recently about how powerful the human mind is, but I like to think that I I like to think that I would be able to differentiate right, Aaron's yeah. opinion. I mean, as often as you and I agree, we disagree plenty. Um, sure. uh, and no, I think it's the movie. Uh, it's coincidence that I stopped it where I did, but it's that scene in the bathroom that that just takes that sharp turn, mm -hmm. and I. I didn't I didn't buy one of the two characters actions in that room mm. at all. Yeah. And it it was shocking because up until then everything that had happened while surprising had still been quite believable. Yes. Um yeah, that is that is the demarcation. The scene in the bathroom is the demarcation from like loving this movie. Oh no. Uh-oh. Oh no. I I'm, yep. I'm not on board anymore. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um but again, uh, I know at least one person who wasn't turned off by the end, uh, and I think that that it is going to be a divisive movie in that regard. Uh, and just the fact that I did not appreciate the last third does not mean that you won't or can't Correct. or shouldn't or what have you. I go so far uh, as to say most of my uh, friends in my critic circle, like my critic friends, they love this movie. They think this movie is amazing. So, mm -hmm. like, I, I, I feel a little on the outs with my opinion on this, um, but... You know, I so I don't know how divisive it will be. I just know for me, it it, it just didn't. That last two, that last third just didn't work. <sighs> it's time for this week's 
big recommend. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I had not seen this movie in several years, uh, and I was excited to get back to it. Um, and uh, there are several movies that play with this kind of a setup, where there is a big misunderstanding that spirals. Um, and maybe one of those will be the super secret double feature today. I do not know. <laughs> uh, but it starts very early. Uh, we've got a bunch of college. Actually, it starts with this in medias res thing where we got three minutes, not, not even three minutes, it's like 60 seconds, and then it cuts to three days prior. Uh, and it's a bunch of college kids, and they're in a van, and they're going out to the woods in Appalachia to get murdered. They don't know that. They are probably thinking sex and alcohol, but um, it's the setup for every Cabin in the Woods movie you've ever seen. They do get past by a couple of weird-looking hillbillies who kind of stare at them. That's Tucker and Dale. And then later, they all meet back up at this gas station where the kids are trying to stock up on beer. And Tucker and Dale have, are talking about how they just bought their vacation home uh, out by a lake deep in the woods. This is West Virginia, uh, Appalachian Mountains. Uh, Dale is really fond of one of the college girls, uh, Allison. He doesn't know her name yet. Uh, and Tucker... Works him up and says, you got to go talk to her. You got to stand up for yourself. You go, you go be yourself. Does not tell him to put down the brush clearing scythe he is carrying. And so Dale walks up with the Grim Reaper's weapon of choice and very awkwardly tries to talk to this girl. And all of the college kids think that they are murderous hillbilly creeps and scatter and get out of there as fast as possible. I have to add the little detail that he tells him, all you got to do is laugh and smile. And <laughs> so he does this forced smile and laugh that just sounds psychotic. It does. Um, Tucker and Dale get to the cabin they've bought, and it is in terrible shape, but they can't see that. They have rose-colored glasses. They have their own vacation home. Uh, they do notice early on that the column in the center of the cabin is a little loose, and if you bump it, uh, a thing with nails, a board with nails swings down, and that's very dangerous. They should probably think about fixing that at some point. They decide to go out fishing that first night, uh, and that just so happens to be the night the college kids decide to go skinny dipping. Um, and yes, they are camping very near the cabin on the same lake as the two hillbillies, even though Appalachian Mountains 
are ginormous. They see one of the girls climb up on a rock and start to take her clothes off. And Tucker's like, this is awesome. And Dale is like, we shouldn't be doing this because Dale has a really pure heart. It's kind of the underline of the whole movie. Ends up making a noise that causes the girl to see them. She slips off the rock, hits her head, falls in the water, and then does not come back up. And they're like, oh, shit, we should go save that girl. Because, again, they have pure hearts. So they go over and they pull her unconscious body out of the water into their boat. And one of the kids, college kids, sees this happen and believes that they killed her and put her body in the boat to take back to their lair. Um, So the misunderstanding has continued and is now spiraling. She's not dead. Um, She wakes up in the next... In the next morning in the cabin and believes that she's been kidnapped, but pretty soon Dale's nature proves to her he keeps making her breakfast. He thinks that the reason she flips out is that she doesn't like pancakes, so he goes and makes her eggs and bacon. Uh, and eventually uh, she calms down and realizes that he's kind of a nice guy. Um, <laughs> the college kids go looking for their friend who was killed or kidnapped by these creepy hillbilly mountain men, uh, and they find the cabin. <laughs> And right then, Tucker out back happens to chainsaw into a beehive that's hidden in a log that he didn't know was there. And bees start to swarm him. So he comes running around from the back of the house with this chainsaw going all crazy. And he's screaming and running every which way. And to the perspective of the college kids, here comes a murderous hillbilly with a chainsaw who wants to kill me. So they all take off running into the woods. And one of them accidentally impales himself on a tree branch and dies. Later, his friends find him and believe the Killbillies killed him. And they say he left his body here as a sign to us, as a message. Well, Tucker and Dale decide to go out and find Allie's college friends. Uh, They leave her back at the cabin. But they can't find them, and they give up. So they decide to leave them a note. But the only writing utensil they have is an axe. So they use the axe to carve a note in a piece of wood, and the note says, we got your friend. Um, (laughs) Which, of course, is misinterpreted. Uh, The kids show up at the cabin and see Allison helping Dale dig a hole. They're actually digging a hole for an outhouse, as we have seen, and they are being very friendly with one another. Allison used to live on a farm. She's just trying to help Dale dig this outhouse hole. But the college kids... Maybe correctly from their experiences, assume they're forcing her to dig her own grave. So another series of mishaps finds two more college kids dead. One of them leaps at Dale with a spear and falls on it. Another one lunges at Tucker in the biggest laugh of the whole movie for me, which is sad because I know some people can't watch this movie because of wood chipper issues. Mm -hmm. But Tucker is using the wood chipper. And this kid runs to tackle him, and Tucker bends over to pick up more wood, and the kid fucking Superman dives directly into the wood chipper and is killed instantly. At this point, Tucker and Dale decide the kids are part of some suicide pact <laughs> and that they're trying to kill Allison and not trying to save her. Um, but they, they know they can't go to the cops because Tucker's smart enough to realize this is going to look like we killed all these kids. That's a really crazy story. So they decide to start cleaning up the messes, but because one of the college kids had run off looking for help earlier, he returns with the police officer 
by the way, who had previously pulled over Tucker and Dale. I forgot that scene because it's not super important. And he walks up and Tucker and Dale are standing there with half of a human. They're just holding his legs, each of them holding a leg. And they try and tell the story about how these kids came onto our property and just started killing themselves. <laughs> and the police officer, quite correctly, uh, does not believe them. And they're like, there's one inside the house. He's like, let me inspect the house. So he goes into the house, leans on the deadly beam, nail board swings down, hits him in the face, and he comes out of the house, and the college kids believe he has now also been murdered. One of the kids grabs a cop's gun, but because he can't figure out the safety, he turns and is looking at it, manages to shoot himself in the face. Uh, Chad... I started calling Chad in my notes by name here because he becomes the most important college kid. And I don't know any of the other college kids' names, and I don't care. Chad then gets the gun and starts shooting at Tucker and Dale, who race inside. The kids take Dale's dog hostage. And Tucker decides to go out there and save the dog. And Dale uses a nail gun from inside uh, to cause a distraction as the kids keep shooting back. I don't know where... I, I don't know how many bullets... A, a police officer's car has on average this is a six shooter gun it's like a revolver and mm-hmm. he shoots 20 or 30 times we never see him like reload i'm assuming there are extra bullets around i don't really care it's not important um but tucker gets around does manage to get the dog loose but then they see tucker and the kids grab him and now they have dale's friend uh they hang him from his legs they cut off his fingers and take them and throw them on the porch of the cabin. Sorry, I took a lot of notes. <laughs> so Chad and a girl then later sneak into the cabin and find Allie alone. And Tucker and Dale return because Dale has gone out to find his friend Tucker. And Allie tries to convince all parties that no one is evil. Allie has already stated she wants to be a therapist. She wants to help people solve their problems. And she sits them down at one end of the table and makes Chad tell his truth, which turns out to be... Uh, He had told a story uh, around the campfire earlier about a 20-year-old massacre in these woods. Um, He exposes now the fact that his parents were killed in that massacre. This is a huge red flag for me. I don't think I would trust a guy who would go camping in the same place his parents were murdered 20 years prior. Call call me weird. But anyway, that's the surprise. Dun, dun, dun. That story was real, and that's how he lost his parents, and that's why he hates hillbillies. Before we can really get to the resolution, the two remaining college kids show up. They're outside, and they believe that Chad and Allie are being held captive. All hell breaks loose. A lantern is thrown. The cabin starts on fire and eventually explodes with everyone but Tucker, Dale, and Allie trapped inside. We think Chad is dead, but no. He rises out of the fire and comes after them with half a burned face. They get in their truck. And flee, but because they're idiots, Dale takes his eyes off the road and crashes the truck. Um, When he comes to, Tucker is outside leaning against a tree with some pretty serious injuries to his belly and says that Chad took Allie hostage. Dale's like, I gotta go save her. She's not my girlfriend yet, but she will be. So uh, he he goes to this logging building and there's a James Bond table set up with a circular saw uh, and he ties Allie to this uh, James Bond murder device, uh, to a log, I guess, and goes and turns on the saw. He's an expert. Like, I would not have known personally that the on button for the saw 
is like on the other end of the building and on the second story. But he knew that. He knew that instantly. And he goes and throws that switch. Well, Dale shows up and he's trying to get Allison off. Then Chad shows back up and they have a massive fight. Dale uses a wicked axe throw to actually cut the rope. And Allison is freed. And Tucker shows up with chamomile tea because this is the only movie where a character's asthma actually played a role in the plot. <laughs> and he uses the chamomile tea to give Chad an asthma attack. Chad falls out of the second story window to his apparent death. But uh, we will see then on the TV in the hospital, the two reporters that were killed in our opening scene uh, before Chad has gotten them. So they are about to die. Uh, and Chad has lived. It is still out there somewhere. Uh, and then we do see that Dale goes bowling with Allison, and as he tries to uh, sweetly tell her his feelings, she kisses him because she has feelings for him too. And at this point, we all do because Dale is just the big lovable lug. And He's we back. see prior to that scene, he tells a hillbilly friend to go talk to a girl he likes and just be himself. And we see the beginnings of a new completely huge misunderstanding about hillbillies. Uh, as we go to credits. Um, Aaron Dicer, I believe this was your first time seeing this movie. It is, yes. What did you think? Many times recommended to me, and all of those recommenders uh, were on the right track. Uh, I loved this. This was <laughs> so much fun. My wife and I watched it together. She's not necessarily a fan of gore. Neither of us are really a fan of gore. Um, but we laughed out loud so much at this movie. Um, I, I think this movie is smart. For a movie that could seem dumb on the surface, I think there's so much intelligence the way this movie is put together and the mm. way that the story and the structure is thought through. The setups and payoffs are really good in this movie. The idea, like, the, even the chamomile tea thing yep. was set up with a trivia game where we learn that uh, the Tyler Labine character knows all of these facts and just like he's 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 for somebody so dumb i know a lot of things or whatever yeah. <laughs> um that's all set up uh which is interesting um the six shooter may have shot more than six bullets but the nail gun stuff i found incredibly interestingly good because in most movies the nail gun is just like a gun that people are shooting. Like you have to have a compressor connected to it. This movie had the compressor connected to it. Yes. It has a safety so that it only fires when it's pressed against something. And if you watch this, he's holding the safety on the on the thing down while he's wow. shooting. So like, you know, there's there's some thought into how a nail gun uh would work in this uh in this That's way. Awesome. So yeah, I just I thought it was really funny. I have several moments, laugh out loud moments that we can go through at some point. Um, but uh, I I think the the intelligence is most seen in the way this movie carefully structures perspective. The idea of yes, a lot of things randomly happen. There's certainly lots of convenience to the way things happen. But the way it structures that convenience is so smart because it truly allows for this group of college kids to realistically think they are being hunted by yeah. these well-meaning hillbillies. Yeah. Um, and that's not easy to do when you're killing off seven characters or whatever it is. But the other thing about the movie, Tucker and Dale never kill a single person in this movie, nope. even in defense. Nope. Never. Uh, it is always them doing them, uh, doing themselves uh, in. 
you know what? I'm trying to remember how the last person dies. Maybe they do kill the the, the last psycho kid. Um, I can't remember. Chad? Yeah, Chad. No, uh, he falls out of the window and lives to murder oh, those reporters three oh, days later. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so they don't kill anybody through the entire thing. Um, they're so sweet. Uh, <laughs> and and it's just, it's so, so funny. Um, I, uh, I, I think there's a, a, what I read in some of the trivia was there is a DVD feature where you can watch the movie, a different movie, from the college kids' perspective, oh. and just and just actually watch what they were experiencing and why they, you know, thought uh, that they were out to get them. So I thought that was interesting. Whoa. I'd be really, really interested in seeing that uh, special feature. That sounds cool. Um, but yeah, I don't want to just start listing funny parts. I can do that later. What, did you have any other thoughts before I just start going through like all the the moments and in, in lines that just absolutely lost it at? Um, no, all I have are notes and observations. I don't have any other deep thoughts uh, about the movie. But now you're making me want to see the first half from the college kid's perspective and then roll back in time and see it all again from Tucker and Dale's perspective uh but that sounds like man this is what we're gonna miss with dvds and blu-rays going away it's like we really had some awesome special features there for about 10 years they're they're trying to put special features on digital platforms um but it's the incentive just isn't there it's the incentive just isn't there people are just buying the movie and i get it i think that's uh, that's understandable yeah um but uh but yeah um, well, I will, I will mention some things. I'll just kind of go in order. Um, they call it their vacation home. The whole setup with like, we bought a vacation home and they walk in and there's bones hanging from the ceiling. And it's like, <laughs> some oh, guy pretty- this must have been an archaeologist. <laughs> must have been an archaeologist. <laughs> and then, and then there's the, the, you know, serial killer, you know, uh, board and like, and a news junkie, you know, as, yeah. as if, as if somebody's just collecting well, the articles. Only, the only <laughs> newspaper clipping they they actually pay attention to is like the corn dog or the chili uh-huh. dog right. restaurant yeah yeah uh i mean one... this is clearly where the murderous hillbillies lived 20 years ago right i believe so i believe that's yeah that's that's okay. what we're supposed to believe um and i don't remember if we said it but the you know the um the you know it, it turns out to be his dad was the murderous hillbilly and that's why oh yeah you know, i forgot to mention that uh, that's why he is. You're the way half he is. hillbilly, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I like about that? When when she says that, he is half uh, destroyed already. Like he yeah. has, he's two face at that point. Like, yeah. and it's it's a really interesting. Like, he's at war with himself in many yeah. ways. Um, which is kind of the theme of the movie. Is like, you know, you're your own worst enemy when you have these perceptions, uh, kind of thing. Um, there's a moment early on where Chad takes a big drag from a cigarette, a cigarette, then an inhaler bump <laughs> at okay. the same time, uh, and then he exhales them both. I, uh, I laughed so hard at I that. I wrote that down. That's one of my four notes left, uh, and that's hysterical, but I have an anecdote. I think that would improve his high. Now, um, my wife has asthma, and I, uh, about eight months ago, discovered the existence of canned oxygen, which uh, in going down my rabbit hole, I ended on the Denver subreddit uh, where they talked about how popular this canned oxygen is mm. for climbers and for, for stoners. Because if you take a hit of the ox- canned oxygen and then you take a hit of weed, it 
exponentially increases the buzz that you get. And so I watched him do that and I wrote it down and I thought, that's ridiculous. And then later I remembered the canned air thing and I was like, maybe that, maybe he's doing that on purpose. Maybe he knows something I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's hilarious that yes. an asthmatic is smoking and. <laughs> And uh, asthma bumping at the same time. Uh, just amazing. <laughs> um, I should have known if a guy like me talked to a girl like you, someone would end up dead. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> so good. Uh, when the one girl, one of the college uh, girls says, uh, you know, uh, smoking is not good for you. And, and she says, dying isn't good for anybody either, but that's not stopping anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's heavy for half a guy, uh, yep. made us bust out laughing. Well, you should just for half a guy. stole another one of my notes. Just like <laughs> under, underneath. I'll, I'm sorry. I, do you want to go? Why don't you go ahead and give no, one before no, I continue on? No, I'm glad that I'm just glad these things are being brought up. I, I giggled endlessly at that line because it's just, it's a throwaway. The way Dale delivers yes. that line. It's yes. not a punchline delivery at all. Yeah, yeah. I only had one more that I wanted to mention, uh, which is the the absolute genius way Alan Tudyk delivers the line, I'll provide the finger sandwiches, mm-hmm. is the line itself is good enough. It's hilarious. It's a great joke. But his delivery on it is so interesting, unique, and just pulls it to that next level. I, I just like I, – I, I have so much respect for Tudyk and his – comedic yeah, ability this is probably i mean this may be i liked him in dodgeball uh i liked him in the joss whedon show but this is probably where i fell in love with him as an actor is yeah. this movie um i wrote down uh that i think i think it's funny that the officer who pulled them over and then shows up later his name is gur uh, <laughs> g-u-r-r um and then i love that the, when they show us the flashback uh, as he's telling the story about the massacre, uh, the college teens, this would be 1990. This movie came out in 2010 and they're dancing to pump up the jam, uh, which is the most perfect 1990 song they could have chosen mm-hmm. to use there. I just thought that was great. Um, I'm out of notes, but I would love to know if you thought of a super secret double feature. This week. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? A dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. Yes, I went through a few. I think people have rightly said Cabin in the Woods is the obvious choice. Um, mm. and there's even because, really murderers in that movie. The ultimate yeah. bads are the hillbilly family. But I wanted to go a little bit different. I ended up going kind of chalk, like with a pretty obvious answer. But I'll, I'll take you through some of the unobvious ones I thought of. Before that, um, I thought of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, something like that with like, you know, bumbling, you know, fools. I thought of Dumb and Dumber, I thought might be an interesting double feature with this because Mm. there is that same element of seeing the world differently than everybody else around you and fumbling your way into uh, accidental things. Yeah. Um, So Dumb and Dumber was a choice, but I eventually decided to go with one that I think is just kind of down the middle of the road. Uh, I went with Shaun of the Dead. Um, Oh, yeah. This feels very similar to me to the... It's almost the the sense of humor is the same it is both aping and being the thing that it's talking about mm-hmm. uh in in this movie and in Shaun of the Dead uh the central buddy characters have very similar roles uh as they have with Tucker and Dale 
Um, and there is the element throughout a lot of this of being unaware of what's going on and still just treating it, you know, like your day to day and accidentally into things. Uh, so, yeah, I think a lot of the the same kind of features uh, go with Shaun of the Dead that we see in Tucker and Dale. So that's where I went with my. Super, I appreciate that. That's feature. good. I've only seen Shaun of the Dead once um, because, uh, unfortunately, I watched Hot Fuzz after that mm. and. Hot fuzz in for me uh made everything pale uh that came before and after in that particular trilogy. Um no, I get it. But uh yeah, I like that. Shaun of the Dead, tone wise. I think you hit the money right there. What yep. is our homework for next week? Next week we'll keep it in the spooky, scary, murdery realm, uh, with one yeah. of my favorite Hitchcock films. Uh, we're gonna talk dial M for murder. Um mm. One of my, my favorite super secret double feature is going to be a perfect murder with Michael Douglas. <laughs> that, would, that would be a, a very literal choice. <laughs> uh, yeah, excited to talk Dial M uh, with you next week. Uh, great. From what Google tells me, that is available for free on Tubi, uh, which is great. That means uh, most of you can get it if you're willing to tolerate uh, some commercials. Um, and I have only seen this once, and I believe I recommended it back on the Syncast after I watched it. Uh, and I think I watched it because you raved about it. So uh, yeah. I'll be excited to get back to this one. Uh, um, this time the murders will be intentional. Oh. <laughs> or will they? Or will they? <laughs> um, excellent. All right. We've got uh, time for a couple of questions. Question. Question. I got something to say. I am listening. Uh, who is your favorite henchman slash henchwoman, comma, hench person? <laughs> I, the question asker, says, am a big fan of Bob from Batman. And as usual, thank you, question asker, for stealing one of the best answers. Uh, well, Jeremy also stole my favorite answer, so I'll let him give that one. Um, would Darth Vader count as a hench person? Oh, no, I don't think so. I, I think, think he's, he's... I think he's too central. I mean, he is a hench person. He I is. Mean, you, could, you could go with maybe Darth Maul or something like that, but, mm. you know, because they're mm. all the Emperor's hench people, so... Yes, this is true, but we don't really know that. That's not really a plot point majorly until, like, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Like, yeah. in the first two movies, he's the big bad. Yeah. I'll go with Iago uh, from uh, Aladdin. Um that's, that's a, a lot of fun. One. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, I uh, I watched that animated Aladdin movie about 100 times my freshman year in college because I didn't have any money to do stuff. <laughs> also, it's a good uh, movie. Also, it's a good movie. Um, let's see. Uh, number two from Austin Powers in the chat. That's a good answer. Mm -hmm. Um and then the mostly people debating whether Vader, whether or not Vader <laughs> is a hench person. Otis give, from Superman. Did you give your answer, Jeremy? I did not. Uh, usually I read out the chat answers after I give my answer. Well, speaking of hot fuzz, I chose the Yarp Narp guy. That's a um, great answer. That, who's that's... also a, one of the stars of uh, Game of Thrones. But Yarp. that uh, that guy cracks me up in that movie. Yep. And he does it all with just one or two lines. Uh, Mr. Smee from Hook. Uh, an odd job also mentioned in the chat. Those are very good answers. Nice. All right, next question. Why did I write this down here? I guess because I like myself. Somebody asked, when will I formally announce my eventual retirement plan to open a five-table restaurant? <laughs> um, and I, I, 
I do love to cook and I'm getting a little more serious about it. But as I replied uh, in the notes, five tables doesn't sound like a great way to make money unless I'm charging <laughs> an arm and a leg. Uh, but boy, do I have daydreams. I appreciate you having them with me as well. My um, volunteers taste test tribute. All right. All right. Um, since some people don't like spooky season, do you have any recommends for autumn fall vibes that aren't horror slash spooky? Sure. Um, autumn slash fall time for football. So maybe like remember the Titans um, mm. could be a good recommend. I think that's mm. good stuff. Denzel makes everything amazing. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox definitely has oh, fall yeah. vibes to it. Um, so that's a good one. Um, and then plane, planes, trains, and automobiles is a fun Thanksgiving slash fall um, movie that that isn't necessarily spooky as well. So those are mine. Interesting, interesting. I love that um, deleted. I don't know if it's a deleted scene. It's not a deleted scene. Is well, there's an scene? extended take. Are you talking in the airport? Yeah, where yeah. he's like yeah. smoking and eating at the same time. Yeah, or that is a deleted. Came out. I think it's a deleted extended take, I, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so funny. <laughs> I put knives out, question mark, but then I realized that is kind of murdery. I don't know if that counts as spooky. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. So then I decided to go with uh, a movie that has a literal fall month in the title, October mm -hmm. Sky. Great movie. Uh, <clears throat> great movie that I eventually want to big recommend here on the show. That's young Jakey G, right? Yeah, 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 Jake G, Chris Cooper. Um, yeah, that movie's fantastic. Uh, all right, what is a movie? Wait, wait, I forgot to look at the chat's answers. Um, Pieces of April, that's good. The Family Stone, another good Thanksgiving. Kubo and the Two Strings. Mm, yeah, nice. that works. There's, there's definitely nice. some fall vibes in Kubo, for sure. Mm -hmm. Little Women, agree, even though there's some snow in there. Um, what is a movie that you love that you showed your significant other or best friend that they didn't enjoy and you felt terrible? Boy, how many of these do I have? Well, when I showed uh, my wife Training Day, uh, that got a pretty visceral response. <laughs> was, I felt terrible. I feel like even I would have known better than that. <laughs> Naive, man. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's a good movie. Um, yeah. Uh, let's just say, let's just say it was a bit much for her, and specifically, uh, understandably so. Uh, the c word just sets her over the edge um, ah. when it's wielded, as it is in that movie. So, uh, yeah. Um, so there you go. Training day. <laughs> that I mean, I'm pretty good these days. Uh, I've been married for 16 years. Check my math. Uh, show notes, editor, Jonathan, make sure that's right. Uh, I'm kidding. It's 16 years. Um, and you know, we dated for four or five years before that. Uh, so I, most of these were early in our relationship. We did watch training day together and her father awkwardly walked in during the scene where Denzel abandons Ethan Hawke at the Mexican gangster's house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was fun. Um, <laughs> Good times. Good times. Uh, shortly before that, I showed my wife West Side Story. But I did this without having remembered that that movie is six hours long. So you're supposed to laugh when I exaggerate like that. <laughs> only two hours plus. Uh, and it just wasn't a great headspace kind of moment for us to put that movie in. And so it was about two and a half hours of me going, she's not liking this. She's not, she hasn't made a sound. Yeah. She's not smiling. This is not good. Well, I was just thinking, I kind of drifted off there because I was just thinking, like, uh, I, I think I had the exact same experience with the most recent West Side Story. Uh, my wife couldn't get in 
uh, to the most recent West Side Story. In fact, I don't think she's finished it to this day. I think, you know, it was just like uh, too long and she wasn't quite feeling it. So it's one of yeah. the most beautiful pieces of unnecessary art ever made. <laughs> I think so. Um, I think it's amazing. Um, let's see. The chat says, I showed my friend, now you see me. And he responded by introducing me to Cinema Sins with the associated everything wrong with. Uh, there's something about Mary. That's, uh, I could see that. These these are all good movies that may not go over with everyone. Swiss Army Man. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> It's oh, so wild man. to think that, because uh, that's the Daniels, right? They did Swiss Army Man. Like, it's just so wild that they're Oscar winners, you know, now. Um, am they I wrong that about movie? that movie? Am I wrong? I might be wrong about that. I have I no idea. I've never seen before it. Before I make statements I just, like that. I read what the synopsis was and told myself never to watch it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was the Daniels. That's, oh, I, was, awesome. I was right about that. Um, that's wild. So, yeah, isn't that wild to think a movie? Of... So they're never going to make a normal movie then. <laughs> that's never been their goal. No. Oh. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Um, all right, everybody, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you to the chat for coming in and participating and keeping us on our toes. And next week, your homework is Dial M for Murder. If you don't own it, uh, it is on Tubi, uh, a free ad-supported streaming platform. And uh, that's going to do it for this week. I'm Jeremy Scott. And for Aaron Dicer, we'll see you next week. Bye. Be a part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins. Chat with us on the Cinemasins Discord at discord.gg slash cinemasins or Cinemasins Twitter at cinemasins. And email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinemasins.com. That's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at cinemasins.com. Check. Check. All right. Time to join the show, entering the studio. Oh, studio. Although, the studio is good to go, bro. What are you drinking there? What is that? Some kind of Gatorade Bursty Booster? This is G-Fit. What is that? So this is what I drink after my runs. Um, that would be going out in running not after my runs Understood. physical ailment okay just wanted to make appreciate sure. the <laughs> discussion because it could be good for both you know i mean I it's, suppose. it's used in both cases gatorade's not my favorite thing uh because i always feel like i'm drinking sweat uh for some reason hmm. <laughs> there's yeah. something my wife discovered these uh sugar-free miniature reese's peanut butter cups Okay. And I don't know. I don't know what they're sweetening that with, but it tastes exactly like a Reese's peanut butter cup. And well, I, I'll be the judge of that. I gleefully eat two or three of them every night and go, <laughs> "These may have cancer and microplastics, <laughs> but at least they have no sugar." I mean, nothing beats sugar. Nothing beats you know, cane sugar in a Mexican Sprite or a Mexican Coke. <laughs> like it's just like that's the uh, stuff. I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, just have to, you know, the older we get, got to moderate that intake. Sure. Yeah. I remember like five or six years ago, I was down in a glass of some variation of cranberry juice from Ocean Spray every morning. Um, I, I have 
a wicked sweet tooth in the morning. And then I, I discovered, I went down a rabbit hole and discovered, hey, this, you might as well, I mean, on some levels, from a sugar standpoint, I might as well be eating a candy bar every morning. Now, there are vitamins and things in fruit juice that a candy bar doesn't have. Sure, but just sure. from a sugar standpoint, uh, fruit juice not good. Um, right. Because it has so much dang sugar in it. And yeah. so now what I do is I get up in the morning and I go to the supermarket that has a Starbucks in it and I have a wicked sweet tooth while I get my Starbucks. So I go over and I grab some sliced fruit, watermelon, something, and mm-hmm. then I get home. And by the time I'm home, I have lost that morning sweet tooth and I never eat that fruit. And three <laughs> days later, I throw it out. Uh, I, have you seen Nate Bargatze's new special? Uh, is it the one where he's in a round? Yeah, he's in the round. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. See and it. he he does that bit about getting fat eating fruit, and he's like, "Yeah, you know what? You know what happened to Dave? He got into pineapples. Now he's <laughs> he's overweight." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like I I didn't realize until very recently, within the last five years, the acidic nature of pineapple. If you eat too much, really will like burn your mouth. Like, oh, you wow. can really damage your mouth by eating too much pineapple uh, in one sitting. That's wild. Um, and I learned that the hard way. Um, so, yeah. like Sucks. <laughs> yeah. They should tell you as a kid, hey, it's possible to die of water poisoning. But they don't. They just put water <laughs> fountains every five feet and tell you to hydrate this is constantly. This poisonous beverage just coming out of the ground. <laughs> water poisoning is a thing. Yeah. No, no. There was uh, there was somebody that died uh, from that doing a radio contest. Do you remember that story? I don't know. They had it was like hands on a car kind of contest. You know those where you like the last yeah. person with their hands, but you had to drink. You couldn't use the restroom, like you couldn't pee yourself while you were there or whatever. Um, and they would give everybody like a gallon of water that they had to drink every hour or whatever. This, I think, is to keep that from going 48 hours or right. something, right. you know, that, that kind of idea. But somebody literally died of like water poisoning from. Nice. I bet they don't do that water. anymore. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't. <laughs> I bet they stopped. <laughs> and I would encourage you to look up that story on your own because who knows how many of the details I'm getting wrong because brains. But the uh, hands but on yeah. a car thing is always wild to me because it's really. You're you're really only testing someone's ability to stay awake. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Or or to have control of your mind space while you're exhausted, right? Like you know the idea that you scratch your nose and you don't realize. You know, uh, yeah, that probably knocks several people off. So yeah, there's the there's the awareness and the exhaustion combined. I bet everybody know, goes into off. it thinking they're going to own everybody else, though. Because yeah, it sounds like so, oh, put my hand on this and be the last one to take it off. I got this. And then, yeah. 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 yeah they do a, a challenge. They did a challenge, like one of the first seasons of Big Brother. Uh, they did a challenge like this where all you had to do was hold your hand on this button. And the last person, you know, whose hand was on the button was head of household that week or in charge that week, so to speak. And so they redid it this season for the first time because fans have been begging for it to come back because it's just like this epic, you know, kind of thing that goes for 24 hours. And so they did it again this year. And it's just funny to watch these people just like forget for a split second, you know, 12 hours into this challenge, you know, and they just they forget for a split second and, you know, uh, you know, like pull on a shirt or something and don't realize they took a hand off the button Uh. or whatever. It's just like. It's wild, man. Your brain just stops functioning properly. 
Well, I don't think the drinking water thing is very fair, though, because I have a tiny bladder. And, and there are people who have bigger bladders than me, and so it's not an equal way to speed up the contest. Yeah. I, I just realized with the uh, emphasis and location of where I said correct there, it may sound like I knew that Jeremy had a tiny bladder. That is not a conversation. <laughs> <we've>... <laughs>